You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. This week, we're talking about Toho's newest Godzilla film, Shin Godzilla. Our dreams, they feel real while we're in them, right? It's only when we wake up that we realize something is actually strange. The middle children of history, man. No purpose, no place. We have no great war. No great depression. Coming to get you, Barbara. We're on a mission from God. I'll buy that for a dollar. Welcome to the party, pal. What's for the smile on that face? All right, sweethearts, you heard the man. Pull him out. Come on, let's have him. I will show you where I have made my home while preparing to bring justice. Then I will break you. How great was the spiritual war? How great depression is our lives. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Brian Elkins. With me tonight, Lindsay Elkins. Thank you, husband. That's right, my significant other. Because everybody else bailed out on Godzilla. That's the only way he'd let me do this. Um, well, I, I've gone through the Godzilla films, what they mean to me. We talked about Godzilla 2014. This is not your first Godzilla movie you've seen. You've seen others, right? In the theater, I'm trying to think, in the theater, I had to have seen Godzilla 2014 in the theater with you. Yeah, we saw that for sure. I'm, I'm sure I did. I don't know if I've seen any other ones in the theater. Well, not in the theater, but you've you've seen. Oh, the- oh well, yes, in this house, yes, I have seen plenty of Godzilla movies. I don't think I could probably tell you the names. Okay. Um, no, well, Destroyer, just because George talks about it. Godzilla yeah. versus Mecha Godzilla. That's that's funny. You brought up uh, Godzilla versus Destroyer because they actually have like a kind of a similar Godzilla look here. In terms of like the red and oh, that's the one, yeah, that yeah. glows, glows red. Yeah, the fans call it Burning Godzilla. George should be doing this podcast with you. He's the one that brought. He thought that was what we were watching. Yeah, yes. It, well, you know, you can see why. You, you look at the you look at the artwork or the trailer, and, and it, it does look like it's a it's a glowing Godzilla. A lot of fans lost their mind right away about how Godzilla looked. Well, I can I can understand. I mean, you know, when we getting our first glimpse of Godzilla, you and I both looked at each other because that, I mean, the bug eyes and the serpent-like sloppiness, I mean, it was nothing like what I expected. I imagine it wasn't what you expected either initially. No, no. Okay, I well, let's go ahead and preface right now. There are going to be spoilers. Uh, we're going to spoil this movie. But no, you're right. The, the googly-eyed, um, or I don't know what those things are called, but the, the Hobby Lobby, the eyes with <laughs> yeah they, they did look like a you know craft project godzilla <laughs> I, I i started freaking out a little bit right then and then but you know later on though you can kind of understand they were trying to make it look infantile once once it transformed and you started getting that progression there and i did not see that godzilla or that version of godzilla in any of the advertisements well that I'm, i can imagine that was intentional I mean, if that was like the first image you saw, that would not inspire confidence. And you couldn't get the, you, you couldn't put all of it into a trailer to make it seem relevant. Yeah, you know? that's, that, that's, that's very true. 
But I, I do like the transformations, like, you know, and it goes into that second wind and the arms come out and you start getting more of the Godzilla shape and you can see the spines clearly or the, what, the whatever his spikes are that he has in his back. His dorsal, dorsal, fin, dorsal, 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 dorsal fins. But I just don't feel like I've heard um, people talk about dinosaurs. You know, they're referencing their fit. I don't mean, they call them fins. I thought it's more like spines and... I, mean, I feel like Finn makes it sound like marine life. What kind of conversations are you having if you're not having these important <laughs> debates? I mean, what do you, what do you are you spending your time on important stuff? You I know, mean, what, what's going on here? Obviously, I need to change my conversations I've been having. I know my lunch topic for tomorrow. Good. Glad that we <laughs> brought this up. So is there any version of Godzilla where he doesn't have spikes? No, that's like the signature thing. Otherwise, he'd just be a giant T-Rex, you know? Oh, 1999, did he have... The American was it 1999? No, that was uh, 98. 2000 Godzilla 2000. Well, Godzilla 2000. That's the Japanese one. He had huge spikes on that one. That's where he fights this UFO. The Matthew monster. Broderick American one. Yeah, that's 98. It's okay. just called Godzilla. Oh. Um, the fans have called. They don't even call it Godzilla. They call that monster Gino, which is short. What? Yeah, it's an acronym. It's short for Godzilla in name only. Oh, did he have the spikes? Kind of. He's got these like two big ones that stick out of the side, and then oh. kind of like smaller ones that go down the middle. Doesn't really look like Godzilla that much, but I think fans have, have definitely roasted that movie alive enough. <laughs> well, I was thinking, you know, if that one even has spikes, then you know, you can say every Godzilla has yeah. always had spikes. And just wondered if they, you ever remembered them calling them fins versus spikes. So what I mean, I want to get our nomenclature <laughs> in sync here. Well, I don't, I, I don't, I, I remember them calling them spikes in like one of the older ones, like in the Showa series from like the '60s when they get when it was dubbed in English. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't remember in any of the other ones if, if they call them. I'm sure they've said in like Probably. some of the movies dorsal fins, but I don't. I don't remember. I'm not that big of a nerd where I remember what they call it. I'm totally disappointed. Yeah. Losing nerd cred. <laughs> well, th- this movie is uh, directed now. Uh, we always we always go through you know our, our casting crew. Uh, Shin Godzilla is directed by Hideaki Anno and Shinji Higuchi. Um, now Higuchi, I know from the Gamera series. He did the '90s Gamera movies. The special effects for those. If you're a kaiju fan, you like giant monster movies. Those Gamera films are about as good as you're going to get. They hold a very special place in a lot of kaiju fans' heart, uh, especially one and two. Three, not so much, but the, the first two are, are considered some of the best movies in the kaiju genre. You've, you've seen those, too, with the, the gals. And... Well, and I, I just remember you telling me it's more for kids. You know, he's like the, not the patron saint of Japanese kids, but kind of, yeah. you know, in a way. But I, I remember when you first told me that there was a giant turtle monster, Godzilla. I thought you were joking. There's no way that's true. And then <laughs> there was more than just one. There wasn't just one. This was a very successful thing. And then and I do remember the later ones actually not being terrible, I guess, once you kind of buy into it like you do Godzilla. When you get yeah. in the right mindset, they really weren't, you know, that bad. No, I, I really like those. That's when they they really started uh, incorporating CGI into the, the man in the suit. And, of course, now Shin Godzilla, this is almost completely CGI. I've it, heard, it looks pretty good. It looks really good for Japan. Now, Japan CGI has not always been the best, and that's not because the artists are bad. 
I've heard a lot of people say that, and that kind of pisses me off. The artists are great. They're just as good as they are here in America. But when you don't have enough money to pay enough people and get them the gear and equipment and time they need, sacrifices must be made. So the Japanese, they just, their film industry been able to, uh, you know, really compete with the United States where we throw $150 million at a movie. They'll throw like $10 million of a movie and, and try to give us something of, of the same quality. And that's got it. That's, that's really, really tough. Bringing up budget, do you know what the budget was for this film? Yeah, I was actually not able to find a reliable budget source on that. I'm sure if you look through Sci-Fi Japan somewhere, which is a great website if you're a kaiju fan, I strongly recommend checking that site out. Uh, we'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, they may have something on there about it, but I couldn't find it. You know, where I, it's a source I trust. It's not on Box Office Mojo, and uh, you know, I'm sure Toho doesn't really want to announce that information. But it would be interesting just to see. You know, this is a pretty successful and a well done movie to see what the what kind of budget they did have working on it. When we would throw like 150 million. If they're able to achieve something on a much smaller budget. I mean, I don't know. That, I almost feel like that should be bragging rights in a way. The special effects wise, this film definitely is not as good as 2014's. But story wise, I like it a lot better. Watching it here and it's subtitled um, versus dubbed. We've talked about this before. In the very beginning, it's it moves so quickly. You feel like you're going to miss something because having to read the subtitles and the, and you know it's so actiony and but you know it did have a lot of i wouldn't say there was like a clear cut theme necessarily but you know the political things they bring up the dynamics of the different countries the environmental things i mean it it, it did seem like it actually did have a good story i mean some of the stuff you know it's a little fun i mean i think they played with the humor i hope they it was intentional it's cuz you know there were parts that were funny oh yeah i definitely think it's it's in the beginning half of the movie it is played for laughs. Um, not Godzilla. Um, Godzilla is just kind of in the beginning more of a force than really anything or a dumb animal that's well, not even an animal because you know, there's no motivation for anything that he's trying to do. He's just coming up on shore, evolving, gets too hot, goes back out to sea, and that's the entire first encounter. It like There's even a moment where they are having a meeting. And it stops, and like there's a there's a there's a black frame, and there's some Japanese words, and the subtitle comes up like uh, two minutes later, or I don't know, like we we can't show you this because it's so boring, and then they cut back to it, and it's like oh well, that's obviously done for humor. It's funny how they make fun of government processes, you know how inefficient they are in some ways and they do you know they make fun of it but in a way you know there's a little bit of truth and i guess a lot of good humor does have truth to it biologists that they bring in in the in the beginning of the movie they have the three there and they're each one pretty much just has a very politician answer of like i don't know i mean i need to see more i can't go off of this or like there's not enough data and you get the last guy he's like are we sure this video is not a hoax and it, it gets comical the further and further it gets down. But at the same time, you do kind of see their point. It's like, I don't want to stake my reputation on something I can't verify the source of. I do like how they came close to saying it must be some giant monster, but they didn't. What did they say? It was a giant creature? Giant creature, some, giant beast. Or, yeah, something. You know, I, I kind of wanted to hear it, though. Must be some giant monster. Like, you know, I feel like that, that needed to be, you know, they couldn't they have just 
change that in the subtitle just to have it there. Must be some giant monster. Okay. And everybody disbelieves it. It's like, obviously, it's a giant monster. And, you know, we haven't touched on this. This is the first Godzilla film to completely do a 100% fresh reboot in Japan. Because all the other Godzilla movies at least acknowledge that the 1954 one had happened. I don't think I didn't know that. Yeah. So this one is a complete new origin story for Godzilla. And in this version of Japan... No giant monsters have actually attacked, but I did like that line. I, that's something we get excited about in our house. Every time they say, it must be a giant monster in these Godzilla movies, we're like, yeah! Woo! <laughs> well, I, you know, and it because it seems like it is in every single one, and it's just like, you know, someone says it, just like, okay, this is an obvious, like, it'd be one of those, you know, the series of the three biologists that come in, and they're like, well, it must be a giant monster, and that is their professional opinion, and that's obviously accepted, and I don't know, that's pretty hilarious. So in this one, they were like real academicians or whatever, the saying that they, you know, they needed more data. They needed to study it more. They couldn't, you know, which I guess is how people, you would expect people to react. But And then you have to get the, uh, the ballsy biologist in. And I, I like that, like the, I forget the character's name, but the main character um, in the prime minister's cabinet um, that we follow. I, he, he works in like the disaster rest, referee, uh, restoration or... I don't remember his title. Yeah, he works in like the emergency wing of the government. I forget. I forget what exactly what it's called. It's hard to read that because they'll have subtitles and the name and a lot of titles. I mean, a lot of you know official titles for people. Yeah, and his title grows throughout the movie too. <laughs> Less people die or don't want the duty. Yeah, like after Godzilla does his fire breath for the first time, his title is like like five, six lines along. It's ridiculous. I'm a member of this committee and this committee and this committee and this committee. And he keeps having to bring like ballsy people in. He's like, yes, make sure they have some some strength. They have balls. They, they're going to stand up and do something. And even the team he, he puts together after Godzilla comes ashore. You know, rejects the, you know, I mean, it was very, yeah, the, you know, it was, yeah, very, um, not subtle about trying to say they were the misfits. I like that. It's kind of uh, Anno, the guy who co-directed this, um, who also wrote it from Evangelion fame. You can see his influences, not only in the characters and in, in the style, but like he's getting the nerds to save the world and these people that are constantly questioning their government. And really, at the end of the at the end of the day, they all come together and, and fight their problem. You know, you were talking earlier too, though. I'm sorry, but you were talking earlier about the the theme, how there really wasn't a clear theme. I do think there is a little bit of a theme here. Uh, John Bifus, uh, I can't remember exactly what he wrote. He he saw this movie uh, yesterday, and he wrote out a, a, a tweet that said something like, uh, "Shin Godzilla is about Godzilla and bureaucracy and how they both evolve." Oh, that's very well worded. I thought that hit it right on the head. I was just like, "Yep, that's it." Bureaucracy really. Oh yeah, evolve? absolutely. Yeah. Well, cuz they deal with they deal with the problem. It becomes deconstructed for sure. I mean, they I don't know, they lampoon bureaucracy and see how it is necessary, I think also at the same time and well, I guess so I guess that is evolving. Well, you know, I mean, it maybe. it does it does evolve because uh after the first attack, you you see the the guy that's ahead of the uh emergency relief part of the government or committee. He goes out to this huge wreckage site, and he's got some line. This thing was on land for two hours, and we didn't do anything to stop it. And everyone's like, oh, stop being so smug. And then he goes up to the wreckage site, and he does this little bow thing. 
And at that moment, I feel like that's where the satirical comedy kind of stops. They do bring up some funny things, and there's always this talk about getting ahead and getting promoted in your political party. But they actually, they actually do come together as a team and do f- defeat Godzilla. You know, even when their government is getting in their way, there's even a, a moment where like the United States is involved, and there's an atomic bomb that's getting ready to be dropped on Japan. And one of the characters says to the newly formed prime minister, like, you know, sometimes a country has got to stand and do what's right. Well, and I think that's why this this movie was so good. It had a good balance of bringing in those serious moments, um, even though if it could have been, you know, might be making fun of the United States in a way in one one moment and then, you know, get pretty serious about um, themes as well. I think, yeah, I think that was good. They made it keep your attention. It wasn't just all funny. But the beginning is definitely funny. Well, and also the, you know, when the one prime minister d- gets replaced. You can say dies. Okay. We're, well, we're in spoiler territory. You can, say, you, can, you can say that. And then it's like the agri- head of agriculture is like the next person in the power, <laughs> you know, ream or whatever. And so he's he's there and he's like looking at his soup, his ramen. And he's like, it's cold. You know, it's like. <laughs> noodles are soggy. Noodles are soggy. <laughs> You know, it's and so it's like it's obviously in, in, intentional, but he's the one that ends up having to make that massive decision. It, you know, it comes down to him, and then yeah. you know he was willing to sacri- sacrifice his country for the good of the world potentially. It wasn't just the United States was putting pressure on him; it was the entire world was putting pressure. Yeah. Like, if you guys can't solve this, and I, I and maybe I just missed something, but it was like it, they were relying on France. Oh, it was because of the to stop it. France is are the ones that put pressure on the United States to give Japan a day to make whatever this syrup is that they're going to pump into Godzilla. And that's how they're going to defeat Godzilla at the end of the movie. They're going to pump that uh, blood coagulant into Godzilla to freeze him and cuz he's a nuclear reactor, you know, or a nuclear fission reactor. Is is that different from a normal nuclear reactor? I don't know anything about nuclear reactors. Uh, I I don't either. I don't either. Anyway, Godzilla is a nuclear reactor, so they're going to they're gonna freeze him, much like they did for the uh, Fukushima incident that happened, I think, in 2011 or 2012 uh, with that earthquake and then the tsunami that led into that uh, nuclear reactor meltdown and being one of the worst nuclear crises since Chernobyl. So they definitely put that into not only Godzilla's origin story, but his look, how they defeat him. It's not just like the story element. Like they use a lot of uh, visual elements for uh, for Fukushima and you know just the earthquake and all that stuff. Like the cell phone usage, especially in the beginning. One of the characters is even watching his cell phone, um, and you're seeing like people uploading footage, and they think they maybe see something out in the water, and that's how he gets this idea that this steam that's rising from Tokyo Bay may actually be a creature. Yeah, and then the guy who's kind of like the hero is the one that brings up that it could be a creature. They all tell him to be quiet. That's kind of how he gets his, his first prompt to, of respectability afterwards, because it was a creature. You know, we didn't have even brought up um, the doctor. Well, I, I was, I was going to wait until the end, but I guess we can go, we can go ahead and, and just... Because, I mean, that's, that's the whole big mystery in this film, the, for the fan theories and man, I've read a lot of really cool things that I didn't even think about. But yeah, there is there's a doctor that's missing in He's the be- Japanese. His boat runs into the harbor and they're going to investigate because they try to hail it. 
and it's empty. Wasn't well, that, and that's how even how the doesn't it start at his boat? But when so, you yeah. go on his boat, it's pretty bare, except for some envelope and his shoes that they've left there, which I think that's kind of part of the mystery because his dress shoes are there. There's not really a lot else, so to kind of wonder what happened to him. Yeah, and it's not brought up again until hour into the movie. And that you brought up the shoes. I didn't realize that that was apparently uh, Japanese customs. People that are getting ready to commit suicide in Japan take their shoes off. Oh, I just thought it was, I thought they, you just always took off your shoes before you walked in someone's house. And if this was like a little boathouse, he took them off. I didn't, I didn't pick it up, pick up that it could be I didn't a hint at suicide. I didn't think about that. I, I, I think it could, it's one of those things that it could be read that way, or it could be read that, yes, he was just going into his house. Well, I was all... It wasn't his house, but I mean, it's where yeah. he may have been staying for, well, it didn't look like he had been staying there because there was no signs of habitation, really. He definitely committed suicide and or merged himself with the creature or the creature ate him somehow. I mean, I don't I don't know. I get the sense of, you know, like you don't see someone's actual dead body that they're going to turn up sometime later. You know, <laughs> if like some other version. That end shot of Godzilla, though, I could see why you would say maybe he merged with the creature. Well, that's one of the fan theories. And. I guess we didn't. We haven't gone through and explained all this, but the the scientist whose boat was missing. It turns out that the Americans were actually working with him, and he found a ancient life form that was feeding off of this radioactive waste that was dumped in Japan. And so, and we don't know if it was dumped in Japan by Japan or the United States. Is that right? Yeah, they didn't make it clear like who dumped the toxic waste I mean, I or felt radioactive like it, waste there. I felt like it was Japan that dumped it, but the United States knew about it and just didn't do anything about it was kind of what I was thinking. Because it seemed like the United States just had all this intelligence. And I don't know if it was because the scientist who was had a not a vendetta, maybe a vendetta against oh, Japan. Oh, no, he, he, had a, he had a vendetta for sure. Because his wife died of radiation exposure yeah and why is that japan's fault was it like just because it was i guess they don't really say but he blames japan they come out and say that in the movie that he he did blame it and he he writes some like uh suicide note where it's like do as you wish or do as you may Um, again i don't know about suicide note it may just be an fu note do what you will against this creature because i'm unleashing him you know if somehow he went into tokyo bay and activated this creature that he knew to make it evolve, you know, and then he left this cryptic origami. You have to be skilled in origami to figure out this map (laughs) code. That's a very analog way of of securing your files. Like, you have to build a crane out of this piece of paper, and then you can see and understand everything on it. It's like the Japanese version of Saw with Godzilla. (laughs) Dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun-dun. (laughs) <laughs> you must be good at origami to oh. figure out this this clue. Mm, it'd be like, uh, oh, I forget the actor's name at the end of Blade Runner. He's always leaving the origami figures everywhere for Harrison Ford. Oh, I can't remember that one. That's well how enough. he figures out he may, he may be a replica. at the. I mean, I'm just spoiling the end of every movie. I need to stop. Oh, my gosh. I'm, just, I'm terrible. Somebody contain me. Thank goodness you're an editor. <sighs> Cut that out. Um, I'll probably leave that in. Have you, have you, you haven't done a podcast on Blade Runner, have you? No, not yet. Are aren't they, are they going to remake that? No, they're making a sequel. A sequel. Yeah, a sequel to Blade Runner. Harrison Ford going to be in it? Yes, Harrison Ford is going to be in it. They better get on it. 
Sean Penn went like apparently crazy because she's not going to be in it. And she, not Sean Penn. Sean, Sean Young. I'm sorry. Sean, <laughs> Sean Penn. <laughs> I mean, he goes crazy too. I mean, damn, yeah, these Sean. Well, well, I know. I thought that was going to be interesting to see why Sean Penn was mad about Blade Runner. I mean, I could see it happening. I just wanted to see, you know, did it? Did someone look him in the eyes? That was part of Blade Runner. Sean Young, what? She's not going to be in it. Yeah, she's. I think she was assuming that she was going to be like, you know, in the movie recast as in her role as Deckard's lover and. I don't remember well enough. I think they. Well, she's the. Uh, she's the android that uh, Harrison Ford runs away with at the end of the movie. She's aged too much to be an android. Well, I mean, Harrison Ford has. He two. wasn't an android. Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. If you watch the director's cut, he's an android. Oh. Blade Runner's awesome. Anyway, so awesome. Back to Godzilla. Yeah, back to Godzilla. Where were we talking? We were talking about that guy was dumping stuff in there. Oh, we're talking about what America knew. I think America wanted the organism because it was feeding off of the radioactive material. And it was growing, and they were able, when they analyzed it, able to see that it had elements in it that don't exist in the world. And they also saw that it was a, a power source. It was doing some, something new with nuclear energy. It's never clearly 100% said, but there's some kind of scientific benefit to have this creature. And they're also going to share it with the world, too. And they even do at the end of the movie. He says he, they shared that information with the rest of the world. The United States did or Japan did? Japan did. Because Japan was going to give it to France, so France would oh, hold off. Oh, well, and off. then that was the whole thing, like the chick that was from the United States. <laughs> that was like the United States liaison that said she, when she's president of the United States. How she was, you know, I guess when they were initially trying to broker a deal, that was the whole thing. They wanted this to only be with the United States, and he didn't do that. You know, he rebelled against what the United States wanted. But, you know, it was, it was kind of funny that sometimes they would say, you know, they really needed to get the United States in there to help them defeat this monster. And they would be very specific in saying they needed the United States to help them. And then they'd turn right around and be like, you know, the United States is you know, holding us back. Or it was a love-hate kind of relationship at some points. Well, I mean, is the first Godzilla movie to bring up the fact that Japan doesn't have a military? And I did think that was interesting because I don't know their history in depth, but they would say, you know, like, in what circumstances this is, you know, can we call into defense these special units and how they have very little defense because they don't have a military? Uh, yeah, in their, in their constitution, they are not allowed to build up and uh, build up armed forces and, and attack other countries. Um, they have to find another way to resolve their conflicts. There's even a really interesting shot where they're talking about, like, can they even attack Godzilla? Yeah, and because you know, it was so... And you can see the Constitution on top of the screen, like all the co the Japanese words, and you can still see them talking about it in these very low-angle shots. I thought that was really cool. Anno did a really... It's just a real crazy way of shooting this movie. It's just all over the place in the style department. There's not a a specific style. It's shot kind of like a Paul Greengrass movie. Um, in terms of like United 93 has this very documentary feel to it. It's got found footage elements to it, but it's also got these really fast paced dolly shots and the meeting scenes where characters talking, but the cutting is so fast. Uh, Anno also, uh, was one of the co-editors on the movie. It just, it just moves so quick. Uh, they do a really good job of, of hanging that because it could be boring. And I've heard a lot of people say that the po political stuff in the film, it is a little boring for them. I find it. I find it moves. I find it fascinating. 
I thought it was neat to see, you know, this might really be how governments run. And then there were the humor elements. So, but I guess if, you know, depending on what your perception was or what you're looking for when you go into a Godzilla movie, you brought up that in the 2014 Godzilla movie that people were upset that they didn't see enough of Godzilla. This would be something you'd really be upset with in this movie. Although I, th- I think Godzilla is actually in this movie, like maybe like a minute or two more than in the 14 one, the 2014 Godzilla. This one's two hours. I mean, like most Japanese Godzilla movies are like 90 well, minutes. Well, this doesn't even have a monster fight, though. That's true. It's just Godzilla. That's true. You know, so if you're, you know, because I, I would think if you're going to see Godzilla movie, which you know, that, I think we should bring up how exciting it was to go and the movie theater was pretty packed. It was, uh, this was Tuesday, right? It was Tuesday at 7 o'clock is when we, when we saw this. The um, first time that you saw it. <laughs> I saw it every, it did not show enough here. It only showed three times uh, in the entire week it was released here in Memphis. And people seemed like they really were having a good time with it, though. Yeah, there were people that cheered, yeah. you know, the, the first night we were there. And just when you looked around the theater, it was a pretty diverse crowd. You know, old, young, Godzilla. black, white, lots of different people that were actually there. There wasn't just like one typical Godzilla fan. I didn't see a lot of kids that were under the age of uh, 14 there. You know, and I can see why you see the trailer for this. This movie, you know, Godzilla does look a little bit scarier than he normally does. I don't remember seeing many kids at all. Yeah. Like even, you know, like teenagers, really. Not many at all. I mean, there was a lot of older people. We were the only ones, I think, that brought kids well, it was fall break. I was like, it was a Tuesday night at seven o'clock, maybe. <laughs> it was. It was a Tuesday, yeah. But you went to Saturday. Yeah, we went to a the Saturday matinee. One. Yeah, that was like in the middle of the day. Were there kids there? No, not a lot of kids at that one either. It, you know, it could have been the subtitles, like keeping uh, some of the younger audience away. George watches these subtitled ones all the time. If you're watching <laughs> some giant monster fight another giant monster, do you need to know what they're saying? We get a way to rationalize us watching so many movies. We'll put the subtitles on, and I'll only be foreign films, make our children learn to read. We keep we keep getting off uh, topic with this this doctor here at uh. the end, the, our origin story of Godzilla's creation and the fan theory. So this this guy was mad. He may have left a suicide note, and we talked about Godzilla evolving. We haven't gone into his powers yet. We'll save that. His tail, the very last shot of the movie after they freeze him. There's this really crazy shot of his tail. It's almost kind of like the thing, like when it doesn't know yeah. what, what to, you know, it's like it's everything it's been before kind of thing. After just watching that not too long ago, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Because, yeah, when you look at the tail and it's like all these grotesque mini versions of things. Well, they're weird because it's like skeletons, but they also have like those Godzilla dorf, fin, dorsal fins. Damn it. I'm going to say the world right. <laughs> world right. Damn it. I can't speak. You need to let dorsal fins go. I do. Godzilla does not have dorsal fins. So just move on. <laughs> ah, shit on your dorsal fins. <laughs> uh, how do you put up with me, woman? You make me laugh. <laughs> But yes, watching all of these skeletoid Godzilla monsters come up from his tail, going back to that evolution thing. Well, you know, I mean, it could be evolution, but also it's been on the bottom of Tokyo Bay. So what what else has it accumulated and you know, been many, exposed to? How many humanoid the, creatures, though? How are, many skeletons? I mean, there's like a Japanese mafia. They throw people in Tokyo <laughs> Bay. 
you know baby's like yeah they see uh they the yakuza's got this little this little know. section of tokyo bay where they just dump their bodies i mean you know it just seems too disrespectful i don't think the japanese would do that what no no they would they would do something or a people lot that more committed suicide maybe it's not the mafia <laughs> i'm just the yakuza know, i don't know yakuza if there's just like a bottom feeder on the bottom of you know tokyo bay who knows what kind of DNA it's been exposed to from just being a bottom feeder. You know, it happens to eat radiation, but what else did it eat and get exposed to? You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be this scientist that merged with it. I mean, your DNA, it could be a strand of hair. What interests me the most about him merging with Godzilla is that actually gives Godzilla some kind of motivation and, and purpose if it is carrying... And it's a like you know if this is a spiritual version of this animal, and it's carrying this guy's will hmm. to destroy the country because it really doesn't have a reason to come on land at all. Well, you know, in that but that letter that the scientist le- leaves, what, how does he word it? You know, do with this what you will, yeah, or like it does. It seems like he's almost testing people. So this this creature he discovered or enabled or did something with maybe he knows it has the capability of making these other elements and it's just it's a test like you know when in all those movies so like in king kong when instead of leaving it alone he wants to make money off of it or you know that's usually some big plot instead of you could have killed it jaws three you know they could have killed jaws but they we should capture it and let it live and you know and profit off of it you can tell we've watched Jaws sequels. I think we've brought up Jaws sequels for the past month. Dorsal fin. You just you brought up sharks. <laughs> Dorsal fin. So, you know, I kind of wondered if that's what he meant. Like, you know, you have a choice to, you know, destroy this thing or do with it what you will. Even if he thinks it's a revenge on Japan, if Japan makes a the wrong choice of, you know, not taking it out, if they're going to try to let it live and capture it and profit off of whatever this other element is it can make, you know, that might be a temptation that would kill everybody if they don't kill Godzilla. Or, um, you know, it doesn't seem like it, he has, a, doesn't seem like Godzilla has a plan necessarily, unless he's just a nihilistic, like, yeah, I'll take out Japan, I'll take everybody, I'm out. It doesn't seem like he even notices that people are shooting at him. Shooting his face. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it reacts. Like, it's like, yeah. oh, you're messing with me? I will crush you now. It's just, it's still just doing its thing. It's almost, but you don't know what it's really trying to do. It's just moving to move. Yeah, well, I mean, that's like, that's the thing. Like, usually Godzilla has always had some kind of reason to come ashore. I mean, really, outside of the first one, there's always been that reason there. So everyone's always looking for what that angle is. And that does explain it. Um, I, I don't know. I kind of like that interpretation, but... I. I don't know. At the end of the day, I just think it's in, a, in the tales evolving. But is the tale evolving? It's, the tale is just evolving because it got attacked. It's just a survival mechanism. Well, that's like, what happens. Can I find the right way to yeah. evolve so I can survive this? Yeah, I mean, well, that's right what he moment. does every time he gets attacked in the movie, right? Right. Like, he evolves. Yeah. So it makes sense that because at the beginning of the movie, the people were not coming together, were not working it as a team. Bureaucracy got in the way of them accomplishing their goal, but. When humanity works as the team, accomplishes their goal, then they can defeat Godzilla. So Godzilla is going to evolve into the the threat. Oh, this light form can destroy me. I should incorporate all of their awesomeness into mine. I, I do like how at the very beginning when he's still just in the water, but they know he's a 
creature, they're like, okay, do we just automatically try to kill it or capture it? And initially someone's, you know, the capturing it wins, but then that's the, maybe the, not, I don't mean, I guess it's not necessarily bureaucracy, but it's just a, you don't know if this is what kind of creature this is. And then whoever, it was a biologist, like this creature can't come on land. It can't come on land. It'll crush itself. And they're like, don't say that because we don't know. And then the, the whoever's the prime minister or whoever's speaking at the time's like, we know 100% for sure it can't come on land because it will kill itself. Oh, wait a minute. It's come on land. <laughs> you know? And and so yeah, it's like that's, that's the first thing that held them up. But you know that what should be maybe an actual choice that you make. Like this new creature life form, should we automatically kill it? Yes. They should have. Yes, <laughs> they definitely should have. But I don't know. Should they have... Would that have caused like a a nuclear explosion if they had like inadvertently blew it up? Well, you know, I do think it was funny that they wanted to try to nuke the nuclear the nuclear radiation. You know that this is this is a being that feeds on nuclear energy and how it's you know, but they're going to nuke it and that's going to take care of it. So Godzilla, when he leaves shore, when he comes back on in shore, the the second time he comes back, he's in full Godzilla mode. They they do drop the bombs, the B, those what are they called? The B fifty twos or whatever those stealth bombers are from Broken Arrow. Some major ones. Whatever. But he, it does make him like bleed. I don't yeah. know what you call it, bleeding. I mean, he gushes some red like fluid. I would say it's bleeding. I think they call it. He's they say it in the movie he's bleeding. He's hurt. So I mean, they can actually hurt Godzilla, but the problem is, is that right after he does that, he evolves to deal with it. But they did kind of calculate like how long it would make him be not be silent but be still. Like they had oh because well, oh, he used oh up. when he used up all of his that's what it was yeah because Godzilla now just doesn't oh man oh that's what we really got we got to talk about the the freaking fire breath it's amazing the atomic ray it it does have a fire element so you do see it's like in its lowest level it's fire and like magma or whatever in his mouth but then when he's in full energy mode he just sprays these laser beams of purple light that are ultra destructive yeah it kind of reminded me of the uh, the gauss beam from a uh, gambling guardian of the universe He's got like that laser beam. My wife is looking at me like, you are such a nerd. I don't even know what you're talking about right now. Uh, well, I mean, lots of the creatures in Godzilla movies shoot beams of things, but this seems like well, I just liked it because like when he was doing it, it's kind of seemed like, oh, this is my defense mechanism. This is kind of the first time he's doing it. So he leans over and kind of like vomits up air that you can see, like you see the air go throughout the streets and the blocks and the city it's just like, oh, whoa, what the hell is this? But then when the fire comes, it's not just fire. It's, it's, it's kind of like those explosions in Independence Day where the ring, the ring of fire, they have the big wall of fire from the spaceships. I like how it was. I mean, you know, with, when it comes out of his mouth, he could potentially aim it, but it, you don't get the sense that he's aiming for anything. It's like almost like a porcupine. If you touched it, it's just going to like release quills everywhere, maybe. I don't know. I've actually never seen a porcupine do that, but I imagine that it could. <laughs> In your universe. I like and, that. I mean, it sounds plausible. It does sound plausible. I'll give you that. But, you know, when Godzilla, it's not like it just comes out of his mouth. It, like, at like some point it your bursts. your porcupines are kind of like the uh, the aliens and critters. But they they don't do, like, a whole burst of them at once, do they? It's just, like, one at well, a time. I imagine right? they could, but... Well, I, you're imagining that critter aliens could, and I'm imagining porcupines <laughs> are real 
live animal oh. could. And so we're, we're in a battle over which could be more accurate. I'm to- just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just trying to make it a little bit more topical. Anyway, go ahead. That's more topical just because it's movie related? Yeah. Oh, okay, fine. It's not. It's an involuntary reaction. This is what I'm going for. It's like it's not aimed at somewhere. It's not like he's mad at anything in particular. It's just like you're messing with me, and I'm defending myself just by like exploding to my maximum level and destroying everything around me as much as I can. And I thought they did a good job of like how far-reaching his destruction could be when he's at his most powerful. It is like involuntary, but like. The second time he does it later in the movie when the military attack him in their final plan, he does aim it. I don't know if he aims it or he just moves around and it goes. Well, no, because they, they say he has like some kind of, like he develops some kind of radar sense. Oh. So he can sense when the planes are coming. And it's like some kind of defense mechanism. So I mean, the first one, I'm with you. I do think okay, that so it's it like... Be evolved. Yeah, okay. I think he was just like, oh my God, what is happening to me? My body is involuntarily, oh my God, this is scary. <laughs> because it is weird, because it, it, it is, it's just like a billion Godzilla beams are shooting out of his back. But then, you know, I do like when he's like running out of steam, like how it ends and it's like he has, a. you see the, it goes back to fire. It's not that he just is breathing fire, it's, you know, the, the fire parts like when he's running out of steam. And he's got the little, uh, he's got a little poof. Yeah, with, with the smoke coming out at the end, he's like, "Oh, it, it, it's extinguished." I also like, you know, you don't see this a lot in American cinema. Like, you watch something like, um, I know Man of Steel got so much shit for it, but Ano and Higuchi, they show you the Japanese people going to get shelter, subways, and uh, basements of buildings to prepare for this huge drop that the United States is going to do on Godzilla, this bomb drop. And, and people are, are stuck in, in cars and traffic and it's gridlock. And they do take that moment to, to show people getting to safety, which I like it. They do a good job of making this very realistic. And there was, there was that one part where when they were initially going to be able to strike on Godzilla and they had everything ready to go and then they couldn't fire on Godzilla because the civilians. Yeah, it's like two old people. Two, like, you know, you know, old dude carrying someone on his back or something. You know, yeah. just, you know, going along. And and I think you see that a lot in, um, I don't know if it's just modern movies, but when there's like the thought of doing a drone strike and there's civilians and what do you, what are you, you're weighing the good of the, what is it? The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Yeah. But, you know, that was it's a choice that you have to make. And I think they that comes up a lot. Like, you know, the risking an innocent lives for the better good. And, you know, who wants to be the one to make that decision? And they don't fire. They don't. I mean, would it have made it a difference in, 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 difference in retrospect? But Probably not. You know. But it, that was when he was at his lesser state. Yeah, that is when he was, yeah. He had just, like, evolved into an upright being. And he was, like, barely moving. They could have, I don't know, maybe they could have done something. Maybe not, but I, I do like that they are, they're putting importance on civilian lives, and it's not like, you know, let's just go in there and, and blow some shit up, and yeah, we did it! Like, that's something that's even, I found strange, just from a cultural standpoint, at the end, when they defeat Godzilla, if this was a, an American movie, or even a European film, everybody would be standing up and cheering and being like, yes, we defeated the monster, we rule! And the Japanese are all just, oh. Thank God that's over. Everybody's just breathing sighs of relief, and nobody is like, no high fives, nobody's screaming, nobody's chanting anything. It's just like, we did it, guys. All right. Well, you know, and you don't know to what level they've succeeded, though. I mean, 
they just leave him frozen right there in the middle of the city. Yeah, he is just in the middle of the city. So you don't really know. And if he ever wakes up, screwed. The uh, <laughs> yeah, the atomic, uh, the nuclear countdown that the United States was starting throughout the movie. I think it's got like three seconds left. And if he wakes up, they're gonna continue the countdown and so fire he, a nuke. He, they never really say like, "What is your plan now?" We don't know. We'll just watch them. I mean, I you know, I think you would still need to clear a safe zone. You know, now hopefully you've gotten more opportunity for your civilians to seek shelter elsewhere but this is obviously something you don't know enough about if donald trump was the prime minister of japan he would build a wall (laughs) around godzilla it would be so big this wall this wall huge huge well did the wall work in pacific rim (laughs) donald trump built that wall too (laughs) building a wall around godzilla that would be a first thought but he just walked through an entire city so, you know, those buildings didn't really uh, get in, in, in his way too much. Being, you know, mostly nuclear in ori- origin, even if you were going to try to deconstruct him, you'd have to have some kind of protocols. And that is one thing I didn't like. They had a nerdy scientist chick that was figuring out pretty much like everything in the room. She's the one that like first mentions that he could be nuclear powered. But she's the one that she goes in there and like, oh yeah, the the nuclear isotopes in the Tokyo air have like oh. a half life and they're going to decay so much that. so much quicker. And I was like, why did you have to put that in there? Leave leave it a nuclear waste zone and make them don't don't tie it up and make it a clean story. That was the only thing kind of at the end. I didn't I didn't care much for that. It kind of got on my nerves a little bit. But literally, I'm talking about a, a one. It's a one shot in the in the movie. Yeah, but you know, there's had to have been other people. Because, I mean, they were talking about how much radiation people had been exposed to just from Godzilla being exposing, you know, his rays, right? Because it's all nuclear. But, you know, there's still got to be some fallout from that. Maybe it minimizes the damage, but they didn't get off, like, scot-free. One thing I did like about the nerdy chick is they didn't make her, like, a pop princess Japanese woman. You know, she's... Oh, she's very downplayed. And I did like when that uh, when the one guy laughs at her when she's like, "Oh, it's, it could be nuclear fission." He's like, ha, ha, "No, be serious." The next scene you see them in, and he does that huge freak out moment, and the guy is like, "Oh my god!" He yeah. starts freaking out, and then she just comes over, and and then he apologizes to her, and he's you know, it's like, "Oh, sorry, that won't ha- that won't happen again." I liked that interaction. I thought that was well done. Like, and even even when their team leader, the the guy that's head of the emergency relief committee or whatever. Like, he flips out that one time, and a guy gives him the bottle of water, and he's just like, chill out. And he's like, all right, okay, I'm cool. Like, you don't have a lot of emotional outbursts in the film. It's not like American movies where everybody's yelling at everybody. It's all high drama. Really, the only time anybody ever gets really pissed off is when they find out the United States is going to drop a, a nuke on them. How they reacted was, like, how you would react. But then and they just solidify their goal of, we have to do what we can do to make this not happen. The the in battle, battle. I what? guess it's a battle. Yeah, it's a battle. Why why did you say it like it's a battle? Like, were you disappointed by it? I guess it is a battle, but it's. I've heard that complaint that it's very the ending was kind of anticlimactic. I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't like an in battle. I mean, it's you know Japan's on the brink of having a nuclear bomb dropped on them. There's radiation going everywhere, so the stakes are there for like an in battle. It's just not the personified i guess is the same way it usually is i mean there's no super x or yeah there's no (laughs) g-force 
That's right. Well, that's that's what makes it good. There is no G force, baby. Oh, look at you with your nerd cred. G force. That's from the Heisei movies, in case you guys didn't know that. That's who fights Godzilla on the American side in the, in the Heisei movies. So, yay! My husband loves me more now. <laughs> I do, but I thought I thought most of the destruction was uh, was in that scene, and they bring in all these U.S. drones with the idea that he's going to use all of his atomic ray breath or whatever it's called. He's going to use all of it up they do is they blow some buildings up to collapse on him so they can get him down good yeah yeah i thought all that looked great it did actually look really good i i thought it was exciting it's it's probably my favorite part of the entire movie Uh, just like the ray the rays go crazy they're hitting buildings from his back and then those rays stop go stop working and then the crazy part where i was just like what the hell is going on is it went from his back and then you see this purple glow go down his tail and he starts shooting it out of his mouth and out of his tail. I I did not like that at first, but then when he starts using it, he starts swinging his tail around. I was like, oh man, that's awesome. I don't know. I I did like that. I thought that was cool. And you know, Godzilla doesn't. He's not just opening his mouth. His lower bottom jaw also splits open, kind of like um like those vampires in Blade Two or or uh, that TV show The Strain. Oh, where yeah. It kind of splits open. I don't and, think I noticed that. Oh, you didn't notice that? Uh-uh. Yeah, I thought that was the weirdest thing that they did to Godzilla. And he, he's got that huge snake-like jaw, but yeah, the bottom the bottom part of his jaw kind of like opens up. One goes left, one goes right. And it, I don't know. I'm kind of excited to see a, a sequel. I wouldn't mind. I would actually be okay with little Godzilla people. What? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's obviously what was going to happen at the end of the movie. Oh, like... You know, Godzilla was going to turn into like... Try and become more human? Yeah, he's going to be like human-Godzilla hybrid things well you know i could see how i would be down for that at some point usually they make godzilla good i don't know there could be two godzillas of evil godzilla representing the evil humans good godzilla representing good human part of their dna i don't i don't want two godzillas fighting last time that happened that didn't that didn't work out too well i don't know i thought that tail the tail shots the reason i went to see this movie a second time you know when the tail shot popped up i was like oh I missed something in this film. I need to go back and watch it again because I obviously missed a theme or something. Well, you know, I was just thinking that since he incorporated DNA and he's evolving, that it, you know, and each time he was attacked, he evolved in some different way. It was like a last ditch effort, and I didn't put much more thought into it. I really did not make the leap to the scientist. It's not my favorite fan theory, and I don't think it holds a lot of water. But they were saying the reason that he's got the spies is because he was eating people. I, was like, I didn't see Godzilla eat anybody. No. Or, uh-uh. you know. Not in, all right, so eating, I feel like that means like it's intentional when he's attacking, he ate people. If it was when he was like a bottom feeder and he happened to have absorbed You're not some letting human, this I'm not, because <laughs> I think it's very go. plausible. <laughs> and so I, I want it to be pervasive, my opinions on this matter. So eating versus ingesting at some point, you know, because again... Who knows what's in the Tokyo Bay? Now, I do think, like, the scientist, since he did have a vendetta, like, if he figured out some way to jumpstart this process, like, if he found some secret element that Godzilla needed to proliferate and evolve and, you know, that was what I thought. Like, at some point, he he went to Tokyo Bay to activate Godzilla. And that's why we're going to yeah. find him, like, holed up somewhere. Like, he, 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 you've all been part of my plan or something. Like, I don't know 
how I, or what. But yeah, I feel like he just accidentally got killed from studying the creature. I mean, because his boat is abandoned and it's still running. You know what I mean? And it's just going in Tokyo Bay. Like, like why would you leave your boat? Like, if you're gonna make your great escape to watch it from a, pl- you take your boat with you. So it's like it's but been a derelict the, ship. He had to leave the that, clue with the. Well, why wouldn't you just send it to the, the government? The origami thingy to be mysterious. He's like, I'm just going to let this boat go in there while that creature's going in there. I mean, Godzilla could have destroyed it with his butt or his tail, whatever. <laughs> well, you know, maybe he but. called the police when he left. So that's why they were there investigating. Oh, that's true. Some that's, anonymous tip. That's true. You got a point there. You got a point. I can't. Again, I can't we argue didn't see that. the body. So I'm, I'm thinking that's going to be some plot device later. It keeps it mysterious. That's what I liked about it. That's why I keep. Well, you know, that gives them options for writing future things. I don't think they're going to make a sequel to this movie, though. In seriousness, I don't. I don't see where this is going to have a a sequel. I don't. I don't see where it could go. Really, it seems like it's a one off story. It's secluded to its itself in the series and in the franchise. I mean, all the other millennial Godzilla movies were. I mean, they all of them would start over and be like, "Yep, the first one happened in '54, but this is the second movie." Oh. That's why this movie was so great because like it ended with him as Godzilla. Like if he had if he had done something else like sprouted wings and flying off, I, as a Godzilla fan, I, I probably would have been a little pissed about that. Well, you didn't see anything in the tail that looked like or you know, anything that indicated trying to develop wings or anything like that, but No, no, you don't you don't see that in the tail. You just see those crazy crazy skeletons. I list, I love that shot cuz it just it has so much music and then it just kind of stops. And there's no sound at all, and they show you that, and then it's credits, and you get that old school uh, Akira Fuku bass score going, you know, and it's playing from the original. That is something they use the original 1954 music a lot in the movie. And I think we talked about it at the credits that we kind of thought that they would use that music, but like modernize it. But no, it was like the exact music. Yeah, it was like the it sounds old school. And- yeah, well, yeah, it's the old mono recordings. There's not even stereo. So, yeah, they just I don't know why they didn't re-record it. Maybe they just really wanted to have that original callback or whatever. Well, you know, Akira Fukubei's been with the Godzilla. He's been with Godzilla since the beginning. He was the man that made the, you know, the theme. Um not only that, but he also did the roar. Godzilla's roar, you know, that was before Foley. So that was not made by mixing different animal sounds together. That was made by using, uh, I forget what freaking instrument it is. I feel like a terrible Godzilla fan, but some kind of bass stringed instrument where they would run something in a leather, a leather glove. And that's what gave that Godzilla roar was that instrument with the leather glove and something else. I mean, that guy, that guy was a genius. You know, I mean, that's why they kept him throughout, throughout the franchise. Well, he's, I think he scored most of them all the way up into uh, Godzilla vs. Destroyer. You know, some of them, like Godzilla vs. Sea Monster, had other, other composers in there that would come and go with different directors. But I think he almost scored all of uh, Ishiro Honda's movies. And that's the guy that directed the first Godzilla. And he did almost all the sequels. So him how, and Jun Fukuda. How did this movie do in Japan? Oh, it did great in Japan. One of the highest grossing Godzilla movies of all time. I, so Japan's kind of weird. It's hard to get their their numbers and do a proper adjusted for inflations. So to really see like what Godzilla movie actually sold the most tickets. But in terms of box office sales, I think this is the highest grossing Godzilla film in Japan. But of course, it would gross more than a movie made in 1954 because tickets there were probably like you know ten to it was less than a dollar ticket, whereas now it's like 
10 to $15 a ticket. You can pay even extra and go see Godzilla in IMAX in it, 4D. Didn't you say um, it did well here, so they're extending the run? They are extending the run. They got a... a well, I, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure how the run really is getting extended. I know they added a Saturday showtime to most places, but it didn't get extended here at all. I so. like how people cheered when the Toho logo came up. Well, it's the old school Toho logo because they do two of them. They do the new one, and then that's the one from like I think like the '60s or something. Oh, I don't think I noticed that. Yeah, it was just neat that people cheered. When yeah. the Toho logo came up. You get excited. That's you know that's, that's how you know you're watching a proper uh, Tokusatsu daikaiju film. Watching a kaiju film means you're watching a, a strange monster movie kind of film. Watching a daikaiju film, you're watching a giant monster movie. Uh, and a tokusatsu film is just another way of saying uh, special effects movie. Well, that's complicated. It is. Well, it's just a different language. All right, guys. So I think we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, final thoughts. I really, really, really enjoy this movie. I think it's um, probably one of the better Godzilla films. Uh, this is my favorite outside of a couple of the Showa wins in the beginning. Like Godzilla, King Kong versus Godzilla, Mothra versus Godzilla, Shin Godzilla. I mean, it's that high on the list. Um I really, really liked it. I, I liked the story, what uh, what Ano and Higuchi brought to the movie. Like the, the special effects are on point. Um, and there is a great video where I, I think on YouTube where they have got almost all the scenes animated to show you how they went through and the computer and did the graphics. We'll try to link to that, put that in the show notes for you guys so you can check that out, look at that. I like Ano's. We talked. About, I talked about his script, but also his visual style and how he makes a movie. You can see a lot of comparisons between Evangelion. Evangelion is robots versus giant monsters, and the giant monsters in that, they'll have beams that shoot out. Godzilla's beam is very similar. How it rips apart buildings is very similar. Um, but not only that, he, he puts shots in this, in this movie that, that are really... I don't. He's so smart. I don't really know what they're saying. There's a there's a great shot where Japanese American lady that wants to become president one day and the head of the emergency committee. They're talking and it's this dolly shot. She's talking to him about how they're gonna drop the bomb and they're by this uh, this train station and the dolly shot just keeps going and then you see it's a crane shot and it keeps going and going and going and then they get into the the far right of the frame, and only he's left in the far right of the frame. They cut her out, and then it ends. And it's all in one shot. I don't really know what he's saying with that, but it, it leaves you with an emotional impact, even if you're not 100% sure why it's there. Anno definitely layered the film from start to finish, uh, themes going from point A to point B. Every, even the humans and Godzilla's story, they are evolving. They're constantly going forward like both of these beings are trying to do they're both trying to survive they're both trying to evolve and but they need to do it in different ways it's their struggle their battle who's going to be supreme who's going to be the dominant life form uh and i think uh ano sets it up so well when they're getting ready to nuke godzilla and i think the real super heroin nerdy scientist ladies like man, man we're the real monsters more than godzilla uh, I think that sums up what he was going with the movie, and the political undertones in the film are great, very tongue in cheek. Um, it's not subtle at all. 
Uh, and then I do feel like it goes away and uh, it does become more of a serious movie and, and, and we get involved. I think maybe the comedy elements have been played up a little bit too much in the reviews and and what people have com- been commenting on. But it is there for sure. But it's just a great movie. Really unexpected, smart Godzilla film. If you're a Godzilla fan, see it. And even if you're not, if you like monster movies, I would recommend seeing it. Cannot recommend it enough. Well, it's hard to follow that. I think you covered... So much, you know, one thing I don't think that we talked about that I just remembered was that how they talk about how Godzilla gets his name. Because it's, it's an origin story. Oh, that's true. Um, but I don't think I quite understood it, having just seen it the one time. Well, the uh, the Japanese guy. So the scientist? Well, he, I th- he, writes, he writes it down in, in Japanese characters. And then that's where the God incarnate comes from. That's where that came from, is from whatever island he was from, he used... That it, uh, okay, they kind yeah they do have to explain that you know the that it was from like an island like they give it you know it's not it's more than just like and the American, a one sentence explanation about how they came up with this. I think that island is the island Godzilla showed up on in the fifty four one, the first time he's ever seen. So I think that was like a little bit of a fan service mixed okay. in with uh, making fun of America for calling him Godzilla. And then just being like, because they even throw a thing in there like, well, the Americans named him. Now we know what to call him. Because then they were like, because they said the Americans named him. And I was like, I don't quite get that the Americans named him. But yeah, they, they named him. And then, oh, and that's another thing we didn't talk about. Like Shin, we didn't even, Shin means new, true, or God. They can mean all three of those things. So be new Godzilla, true Godzilla, God Godzilla. Or I guess in, if you were in Japan, be Gojira. You get the idea. Well, all right. I'm glad we brought up those things. <laughs> now that we're at final thoughts, I do think, you know, in summarizing, uh, it was very smart and, uh, you know, not something I expected to th- say of a Godzilla movie. I expected it to be fun. At the very beginning, I was like, this looks like they might be trying to be pretty serious. But then, you know, you, could, you do get the comical elements of of political processes and and. I think they have enough of that in there. You know, it was I don't I didn't think it was too much comedy, but it was then you definitely had a good balance of serious elements as well. You know, I'd forgotten about the the line about the person saying, you know, we're we as humans are the the monsters, but that seems like that's pretty much the theme of most of the Godzilla movies. You know, this is yeah. all always we brought this on ourselves, you know, the, the nuclear testing, the what we're doing to the environment, social responsibility type of, or environmental responsibility kind of, you know, we're the monsters. Make sure it's not just a, it's not all fun, but it was a good balance. It was, did have some smart elements to it, and it was entertaining. Um, and it, you know, brings back some history, talking about the real life situation of Japan's military and you know, if they were in a crisis situation, how the things might actually kind of go, you know, and to an extent, maybe not completely, but... Do you think Japan likes their prime minister? <laughs> huh. Do you think Japan likes the United States? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think they like the United States. Maybe yeah. they resent a little... Uh, and I think that's the fair. The global power, yeah. Yeah, I mean, know. I think it's it's fair. You know, it's... It's not disrespectful, I don't think, but you know, it's no. I don't think it's disrespectful at all. Um, just like you said, you know, when they were when he does a little bow at Godzilla, you know, there it's it is sad if that it took two hours and there's this destruction and you know, there there is this sadness and a seriousness and it's not just all about like, yeah, we took down that monster. It's just a 
relief, you know, so I, I did really enjoy the movie. Still was a little put off by the initial appearance of the monster, but, you know, yeah. I do understand it in the context of the movie now, and I am glad they didn't show us that to begin with. But, you know, and I don't think that necessarily you couldn't make a sequel. I think it would be hard to think about where this particular iteration would go next, but they leave some mystery there. So some questions unanswered to be, you know, that you would like to kind of know what happened to the scientist. Why is his tail like that? What's going to happen to him now? Is he really dead? The talking about Godzilla, you know, or what do you do if he's not dead? How do you deconstruct it from there? What do you do from there? Is the nuclear threat still imminent? I mean, I think there's still definitely some questions that could be, and it might just be better that, you know, well, we don't know the answers to those. So let's just leave that to your imagination and we'll start over next time. But, you know, yeah, depending on, <laughs> but you know, they, they potentially could start up and it's not necessarily that Godzilla continues to evolve. Maybe he's evolved to his most pristine monstrous self and he develops in other ways, not physically, spiritually. I don't know. <laughs> Mentally. I don't, you know, I don't know. That is, that's, that's, that's the director's thing. You know I mean? Like, uh, you, you've watched uh, some of those Evangelion movies with me, right? Haven't you? Yeah. And those are like, you watch those and those are extremely, extremely philosophical. Like he reigns back a lot for Shin Godzilla. Like, so if if you're worried that like you're gonna get some Evangelion in your Godzilla, yeah, you're gonna get a little dab of it, but it's nowhere near to the level of of that where you have like people trying to merge their consciousness all into one and oh, just crazy, crazy far out sci-fi and philosophical ideas. So who knows? The scientists could have done something crazy along those lines, or you know, he got the process started and. I don't know. There's just a. I don't know that this is necessarily the end for this one. I just don't know where you would go and still keep it Godzilla. It would. It was. I don't know. It almost have to like the Japanese now need to have like another like Shin Godzilla and then they'll do a Godzilla so we can have like three Godzilla series going on at one time. Do it, Japan. Do it. <laughs> well, you know, usually you know the second movie there has to be a second monster. I mean, like this Godzilla is so overpowered. Like, what would fighting? Like, I mean. Well, oh my God, he would like one hit from his ray would like. Well, obviously, he it would have to be like resilient to whatever this specific thing was. Well, but if it was, then what's it going to do? It's, it's like gonna super like... mega Mothra. <laughs> have you guys seen the uh, the Gamera versus Shin Godzilla cartoon? If you guys, uh, I haven't shown it to you, but you guys, he's got a shell. We'll, Gamera, he's a turtle. We'll put it. We'll put. We'll, I'll see if I put find it and put it up in the link. But it's so funny because it's like. It's like the Godzilla from uh, 2014 is like on the phone with Shin Godzilla, and he's like, "You gotta get him, get Gamera. I'm tired of him." And Gamera's in the corner of this building, just kind of howering down, and Godzilla's like trying to get to him. He's like, "I can't get him. My arms are too tiny." <laughs> well, wife, thank you for coming out and uh, and doing this podcast with me. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. All right, so that's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation and discussion on Shin Godzilla. I really want to give a big thank you and shout out to Fundimation for just releasing this movie in the United States. It was a limited theatrical run. Um, it did get extended past a week, but we got this in theaters for a week. And that was it was it was incredible to be able to see this on the big screen because there's so few Godzilla films produced by Toho that I've gotten to see on the big screen. This is the third one. Godzilla 1985, the first. Godzilla 2000 being the second. And uh, this is the third. So thank you so much to Fundimation for giving Godzilla fans just the opportunity to experience this on the big screen. That's that's something that we should all 
rally behind and, and celebrate. You know, if you have time, say thank you to those guys. It's, it's really cool. So if you guys want to get in touch with us, our email address is themoviecrew at gmail.com. That is themoviecrew. Crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E, extra E at the end, at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter, at moviecrewpod. And if you guys could take a minute, go over to iTunes and Stitcher, give us a rating. We would surely appreciate that as well. Thank you in advance. And if you guys could always do us a favor, uh, Jeremy and I's film, Girl in Woods. I was the editor for that. Jeremy was the director. That's out on VOD right now. It's streaming on Amazon. If you guys wait till the 25th, I hear that it's coming out on DVD October 25th. So that's pretty exciting too. Maybe maybe throw us a bone, go out and buy it. You know, help help out independent struggling artists and, and filmmakers. You know, it, w- it would be cool. And like always, we're going to close the show out with a little bit of music here. Man, I really love these Godzilla scores. We're going to start a little bit off here with a score from Shin Godzilla. This is track one off the soundtrack uh, from Shin Godzilla. It's titled Persecution of the Masses. And this is from Shiro Sagasu. And then we'll follow that up with a little bit of the very classic score from Mr. Akira Fukube. We're going to play the main theme from Ghidra or Ghidorah, however you want to pronounce it, the three-headed monster. Enjoy! Enjoy! 